Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. Our sponsor of this segment is CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It's commercial training or training for commercial agents. It's good, I know, because I created it. It's CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the office sector, and I think it's a very interesting sector these days with, uh, you know, maybe it's one of the sectors that people are maybe a little concerned about uh, that maybe retail is not as hot as multifamily or industrial. A lot of changes in how uh, office space is used. And, and we're going to talk about some of those changes and how they're impacting uh, the market and how they're impacting maybe you as a tenant or an investor. Well, first, let's take a look at the investment sales market. Please welcome my guest, Jim Costello. He's Senior VP with Real Capital Analytics, and he's joining us on Skype. Jim, thanks for being with us, sir. Hey, thanks for having me here. Well, let's talk about uh, the investment sales. Uh, you know, you guys track investment sales of, of all sectors. And when you're, how, how do investors feel today, Jim, when they look at the office sector, if you will, compared to the other sectors, like maybe the hot multifamily or industrial market? Are investors a little wary at all, or are they still hot on office? Well, there's some mixed signals in the office market. Activity in May actually grew, and so, even as it fell for other property sectors, even some of the hot sectors that you're talking about. So that's one mixed signal. Uh, but at the same time, there's you know, some concerns about what happens next with the use of office space and you know, how, how, uh, what type of longevity will these investments have? So there's some concerns on that. And then the other concern is, what, am I getting this at a good price given that cap rates are at record lows and prices are at record highs. So there's a lot of cross currents happening in the office market right now. Well, that's interesting. And sometimes if the, there's a little equilibrium in the market, sometimes it can make for a good market for, for savvy investors and, and operators. So what are you seeing? You mentioned activity uh, was strong in May. Uh, what, what are you seeing overall year to date? Yeah, I mean, for the year to date, deal volume is down from last year, but we had a turnaround in May with some growth. That said, I think that growth is not part of a, a sustainable upward trend. It's really because of a handful of big deals that you know, you're not necessarily gonna have deals like these every month. Uh, CNL Healthcare sold, and that deal uh, really boosted suburban deal volume. And then the CBD locations, we had three big uh, billion dollar plus transactions that moved the needle. Uh, although those were kind of interesting as a trend because it was really kind of technology focused assets, uh, an interest in Salesforce Tower uh, sold, a portfolio of assets in Kendall Square in, uh, in uh, Boston sold, and well, outside of Boston. And then the uh, 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 Google did another deal in uh, New York. And so, you know, that type of activity, uh, you know, with a tech focused CBD locations, you know, there's a bit of a theme there. Generally, though, you know, deal volume uh, was down without some of these outliers. Okay. And what are you seeing for cap rates, Jim? Uh, you, you mentioned they've been a little flat. Yeah, and, and it's funny because last year into the fourth quarter, the 10-year Treasury spiked upward. We went up to 3.2. And then recently, it has been toying with the 2% level. Uh, so cap rates between now and then have been steady as she goes. Uh, you know, 
CBD cap rates for office around 5.5, five, suburban cap rates around 6.8. Very little movement in response to all the turmoil of what's been happening in the bond market. And I think part of that just comes down to you know, the investors looking at the income they're getting from the assets, uh, seeing the noise in the financial markets, and just pausing and waiting to see a true signal appear. There's a lot of up and down, a lot of uncertainty in the global economy and, and real estate. You have a cash flow, you know what you have. And uh, there's a sense of not panicking and trying to sell now when they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It seems like some investors uh, that we talked to kind of interested in office because, you know, maybe there is some trepidation with some investors. and. You know, maybe there's an opportunity. And you mentioned some suburban sales. So uh, what do you see there for suburban volume and, and interest in office properties? I thought suburbia was dead when it came to office. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. The suburban office market is starting to change. Uh, in fact, into the last 12 months, we've seen a real disconnect between suburban deal volume and CBD deal volume. In a normal period, historically, they have about the same amount of deal activity. We've had around 77 billion of deal volume in the 12 months to the first quarter of 2019, only around 50 billion in deal volume in the CBD locations. That's a wide gap. And I think part of that is, you know, the CBD locations, it's a lower cap rate, it's harder to make a return pencil out, so that restricts some of the capital flow. But I think there's other reasons that are motivating investors beyond yield to go to the suburban locations. Part of it is just a change in the perception of suburbs. Early in this economic expansion, and this is the longest economic expansion we've had ever, early on, everybody wanted to be in the CBD locations because that's where all the young people were moving to. This expansion has been so long that those young people have moved on, they're older, they've started families, they're moving to the suburbs. And that has some real implications for where investment capital will go. If, and young people have to move to the suburbs because that's where most of the housing has been built in the last 15 years. And so as firms chase workers, they have to be in suburban locations as well. So there's probably a yield story driving some of that, but I think there's a real good uh, income issue uh, with investors looking to go where the firms want to be and looking to go where the workers are. And you know, those kind of issues uh, reinforce each other. Yeah. Yeah, my, we're headquartered here in Atlanta, and we have some strong suburban markets where you know, there's really strong rents and strong growth. And, of course, there's some pockets that uh, aren't, haven't experienced the growth. And, and you mentioned, I guess, the elephant in the room, Jim. I mean, you mentioned how, where we are in the cycle and how long uh, this cycle has been, uh, been positive. What do you expect moving forward? How, how long do we have that the things can still go well? What, what does your crystal ball tell you there? I mean, one of the quips that people have had about uh, economic cycles recently has been that uh, economic expansions don't die of old age. Yeah. You know, what it really comes down to uh, is looking for imbalances in the economy today that might undermine the growth. Uh, this is a topic of discussion. When I go to the Urban Land Institute meetings, I get together with a group of real estate researchers at every ULI meeting, and we raise that question, what imbalances does everybody here see that might undermine things? And when we talk, uh, you know, uh, recently there just haven't been those imbalances that need to be worked out. I'm a little bit concerned though about the 
venture capital funding for uh, a lot of businesses. You know, uh, some of these businesses that have been uh, started by the venture capital world just aren't earning any profit at the moment. And so if you're pouring money into things that aren't generating any profit, there's only so long you'll be willing to do that. And some of those venture capital funded firms are leasing all the space that's out there. So what's happening this year with the IPOs, the money that's coming in, watching that, if firms start turning towards profitability, I think that's a healthy sign. Until you start seeing that, uh, uh, I think you might be on some thin ice about that money going away and uh, undermining some of the demand on the office side. But in in the near term, it seems like everything's fine. And that's interesting that you mentioned that because you also had mentioned that some of these sales large sales were kind of based on technology type tenants, right? Uh, that's right, that's right. But the technology type tenants, there is an understanding that that's where the productivity and the growth is in the economy. Mm-hmm. And firms are willing, investors are willing to invest in these firms, uh, even without profitability, knowing that once they hit scale, they could become wildly profitable. It's a matter of you know being able to pick the right winners on that. Yeah. And that's one thing that's nice about investing in the office market as opposed to picking these technology firms. As long as you're in the right office market where those firms want to be, you're going to participate in that. Uh, if you pick the wrong firm to invest in the tech sector, uh, you know, then you're, you're out of luck. All right. Well, Jim, I want to get back into that think tank room with you guys uh, at ULI. And when you're talking about... Uh, things that could trigger a change in the cycle. What, what else was uh, big on the list? Yeah, uh, other things that are big on the list uh, that, that might undermine this economic cycle, one thing that has been particularly uh, raised with me as I've been traveling uh, this spring, everybody was asking about trade war issues and what that's gonna do to the US real estate market. And, and that's one that there's a concern, but I think it's a little bit uh, overblown. Uh, I'm not a fan of restricting global trade, but you know, to the extent that you know some uh, new tariff barriers have been thrown up, I don't think it's necessarily the kind of thing that could lead to a recession. It's really just a tax on U.S. consumers. We had some tax cuts last year, and then the tariffs are just new taxes on U.S. consumers, and so they kind of balance each other out. It impacts some areas much more than others. You know, farmers in the Midwest are hurting. Uh, you know, certain parts of the country have some challenges, but it's not impacting uh, much of the economic activity that supports the commercial real estate market. Interesting. We're talking with Jim Costello with Real Capital Analytics uh, about the office market. And Jim, um, jobs, you know, obviously uh, impact the office market. Uh, do we have enough people to hire to keep up strong uh, job growth? Or was that something that kind of came up in the think tank? You know, that has been an ongoing issue of discussion. You know, what is the, what is the nature of the labor market? Where can we find the jobs? Uh, you know, it is the case that the baby boomers are aging. Uh, they're entering retirement. They're leaving the labor force. Finding workers to replace them uh, is going to be an issue in certain sectors. One in particular, it's not an office market issue, uh, although tangentially it can be, Construction workers. It's hard to find construction workers in many markets today. Uh, so if you want to build an office building as a form of investment, it's going to take you some time to find all the right people, get the right subcontractors in place. That labor is harder to find at this point. Uh, for other types of workers, 
uh, one of the issues that, that happens, you know, immigration has shut down certain types of workers from around the world. Uh, tech firms are doing some relocations in that case. If I can't bring, say, an Iranian programmer into my tech firm in Seattle, I'll just move them to Vancouver instead. And you know, we've seen some uh, growth in uh, uh, Canadian markets uh, because of those kind of issues. Yeah, and you mentioned construction cost issues, and it's interesting because that seems to impact a lot of things in the office market, from new supply and the cost to to create new supply, and then you know the tenant improvement dollars and the cost, and how that may be impacting uh, renewals and, and tenants staying and and uh, and maybe moving less. So interesting. So what do you think, Jim, moving forward then overall for office market uh, performance uh, for the for the sector moving forward? Yeah. The office market moving forward, the U.S. economy is increasingly a service economy. You need the office space to uh, deliver that service. And, and so uh, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, less than it had been in the past in terms of the type of return investors get. When you had cap rates falling from a 7 to a 5 uh, that delivered an awful lot of uh, capital gain, uh, that helped uh, deliver performance. So it, it's it's not going to perform like that anymore. It's going to be more steady as she goes, more focused on the income, uh, more of a yield play, and uh, trying to manage that. So it's going to take a lot more day-to-day uh, uh, you know, -day activity to kind of make these things uh, pencil out. But there's still going to be demand because, again, the economy is a service sector economy, and you know this is the place where that happens. Yeah. Yeah, all right. well, it makes me feel better, Jim. Great information, sir. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. All right, now stay with us. We're going to talk about some use of office space and some technology uh, that you want to know about. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit rediq.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. Check out bullrealty.com for customized asset and occupancy solutions. It's bullrealty.com or reach out to me personally. Well, today we're talking about the office market. One of the big things in office has been co-working, right? Shared space. And a lot of people and companies and owners are doing co-working uh, themselves. And obviously, most landlords are renting to co-working companies. Well, what do we expect uh, co-working to do in the future and how is technology impacting it and being used? Please welcome my next guest. It's Warren Hershowitz and he's with Yardy Cube and he's joining us in Studio One. Warren, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Well, first let's talk about co-working. It uh, really seems to be off the charts growing uh, and I might, that might be surprising some people. What do you guys see? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing uh, tremendous growth. It's, uh, first off, it's definitely something here to stay. Some people thought it was kind of a fad. Uh, we've seen it past that stage. And we're seeing a ton of growth. Um, most people know the name WeWork, obviously out there with uh, waiting to go IPO at about $16 billion. 
as a, as a valuation. But then we're also seeing a lot of other companies who are getting a lot of institutional capital. Um, some in New York called Convene just got about 100 plus million. Another company called Bond Collective got about 50 million. And uh, almost uh, every other month I'm seeing a new company getting some institutional dollars coming in uh, to uh, grow their operation. Yeah. And, you know, there's some people think there's some detriments, and we'll touch on those of co-working, but there's also some uh, benefits of having co-working space um, in, in your building, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first thing is, um, if I could share a stat with you, uh, uh, our, our matrix team pulled on, on vacancy is that, you know, in the U.S., um, they see about a billion square feet of vacant space. Um, with an average rent of $40 per square foot, we see $43 billion in potential revenue loss with vacant space. So first thing is obviously co-working can help to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously uh, the way co-working works is it can pretty much be almost any size and shape. So you can take that awkward space that may not rent to a traditional tenant and put in a co-working space for maybe smaller members. Mm -hmm. Second thing we see is that co-working allows a landlord or an operator in the shared space world to earn more dollars per square foot. They're able to sell auxiliary services, such as you know, internet or phones or even the use of conference rooms, as well as um, essentially oversell the space like a gym would because you can sell an open desk knowing that not everybody's gonna be there all day, all the time. Yeah, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and technology's a big part of that, right? Because it's hard to manage all of that and all those people and those services without technology. What is some of the technology and how it's helping? Yeah, I mean, technology is a, a critical component, uh, especially for those um, institutional players who want to obviously grow to, to many locations. Um, you're going to be unable to do this without a um, high-level technology platform that can manage all aspects of your space. And one of the new things about shared space is that you're not just managing, let's say, the rents coming in and the expenses going out. You also have to manage um, all these members and interactions with the members and their use of the space, including conference rooms or day offices. You have to manage the internet, you know, how you can break up the data Wi-Fi because you're the one who's sourcing it for them and then repackaging and reselling it to those members, um, as well as the ability to control access to the space and things mm -hmm. like that. So there's a lot of components to this shared space with regards to technology that a traditional commercial landlord won't be dealing with. And that's why it's so important to have a, a, a good platform. Yeah, and you mentioned the internet use. Um, and there's also kind of a security aspect to that, right, as mm -hmm. well, with different companies potentially using the same internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we're seeing, of course, with the growth of the industry is that it's becoming more accepted by not only um, professionals, as in you know lawyers and, and brokers and accountants, but also uh, Fortune 500 companies. Um, you know, people initially five years ago when I first got into the industry thought of co-working for essentially startups or millennials and everyone kind of having fun, but it looks and feels like a traditional office today when you walk into a lot of our uh, customers or operators. And, and the importance of a um, technology with regards to data Wi-Fi is that when these professionals and Fortune 500 companies come into your space, they need to know that their internet connection is secure they can transact confidential information, and they won't be affected or impeded upon by anybody else in the space with regards to their internet. Right, because they have a coffee shop, who knows, could be through the internet seeing what their screen, right? Absolutely, I mean, they obviously are unable to, to transact private information, as well as they're at risk to getting viruses or having someone hack into their system. Yeah. 
Yeah, so with this access, with the right technology, you can protect and have each member uh, or company that's in that space have their own their own portal base. Yeah, exactly. It's, essentially, it's what's called a VLAN. They can have their own private access that not only can somebody not pry into what they're doing, but also they're secure. So when I'm working in this space, if, if you're sitting to my right and you end up downloading a virus, but you are not part of my company, I will not be affected by what you do. Yeah. Uh, another big component, if I can share with you, is also the ability to throttle the bandwidth up and down. Yeah. And um, some people may wonder, well, what does that mean? And think of it like a hotel. You go into a hotel, and typically when you mm -hmm. go and, and sign up for the Wi-Fi, you have the ability to select what sort of, what sort of speed you're going to get, as yeah. well as uh, associated billing rate. We're going to give uh, the operators that same ability. Um, yeah, and then also with Cube, K-U-B-E, right? Mm -hmm. Already Cube. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can do other things with the technology, like you can, the, the members, if you will, your tenants, they can pay their payments, they can mm -hmm. reserve uh, desk and reserve conference rooms. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's basically designed as a fully transactional uh, platform, mm -hmm. so a both a prospect and a member can come on, learn about what you do at your space, um, see pictures of it, the, the, the pricing, the, the amenities offered, and then sign up become a member, pay for it, uh, and then continue to uh, you know, sign up for additional services. So as I realize that maybe I need additional conference room hours this week, or maybe my company has grown, I need additional memberships or a bigger office, or additional phones, I can do all that through Cube. And essentially get immediate service for what I'm looking for as a member. And then from the operator side, they have the ability to have this done automatically and make sure it's built. That's the biggest component of it. Right, and then not only build, but you know, right into your accounting system? Yes. Yeah. So the, the unique thing about Cube um, is that it's tied into uh, Yardi Voyager, which is uh, their accounting system. And so what happens is, as Cube is collecting all these receivables, um, it's in Voyager in real time, so that your accounting folks can be running financial statements in real time, versus um, a lot of operators today, what they're doing is, when they're running financial statements, they're running about four to six weeks behind mm -hmm. on, on what they're doing. And, and so they're always looking at numbers that are, are pretty old in, in terms of the commercial world. Yeah, and you think about the, the member portal of Cube, you know, there's members that they need all these services or maybe they want to reserve rooms, but, but some of these aren't exclusive use systems, right? Some of these uh, co-working places allow a guest like me or anyone mm -hmm. that's listening might be able to use some of these co-working spaces and this kind of Yardi Cube type of software can help. We can just do that automatically, and 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 there doesn't have to be an employee at the co-working space to handle it. Yeah, I mean the de the design of a, a good technology platform, and specifically Yardi Cube, mm -hmm. is that your space can essentially generate revenue on a twenty-four-seven basis without you having to have it staffed. Uh, someone can go online again, sign up for the space, learn about the space, and then through the use of door access or door control, get ac controlled access to the space. Mm -hmm the ability to use the room they need, exit the space, and then you, as the operator, understand that, look, I know who entered my space because I have a log of who was in there. Um, I've taken a deposit through my online platform, so if something happened, I can recoup some of those costs. And I've collected payment for that space without having to have somebody from my team personally on site to guide that. Yeah, so <laughs> it seems like I'm, I'm visualizing the, the guy on the beach checking his phone and just seeing money come in while he's on the beach, right? Well, you must have read my sales script. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it can be. It's designed yeah. as a, a cloud-based platform. So not yeah. only can the members or prospects get access to, uh, you know, this to the internet, but the operator 
anybody who's part of that team, including let's say the IT folks or the accounting folks or even the sales team, they can be tracking all the analytics for all of the locations across any region or geographic area at any point as long as, of course, they have internet access. Yeah, and you mentioned that this is good for um, an uh, operator who maybe has multiple locations or would like to have multiple mm -hmm. locations to have something this robust. And when they have this system in a co-working space, they also get some information they can use to help design future locations, right? Yeah, exactly. The, one of the biggest things, of course, is not only to see the growth of your current space and make sure that you you know, generate as much revenue as possible and, and, and make all your numbers, but when you open your future locations, it's learning about how you can do it better. And a good technology platform will give you those analytics. Um, for example, you know, oftentimes when I talk to an operator and they're moving from location one to location two, they'll tell me, hey, look, Warren, I, th I think I, I had too much open space. I should have put more private offices. Or, you know, I realized that that conference room barely got used. I should have just rented it out for a reoccurring monthly amount. And, and this platform will allow them to run those analytics on the use of their space and how to adjust it moving forward. Right, so if you're a landlord and you have multiple buildings around the country, around a region or state or city, then this could help you kind of build that and just make it more efficient moving forward and obviously more automated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, the, design, the, the design of the system is to be completely automated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, think of shared space like hospitality industry, like a hotel. Um, would you rather have your staff buried behind a computer? doing data entry, or out there greeting your members, greeting your guests, and creating that strong member experience. So not only do they come back, but then they refer you to their friends and colleagues. Yeah, it's all about the customer experience exactly and how right. they're treated there. Um, so what's in the future uh, for co-working and the future of, of the technology? Yeah, I mean, first off, what we're seeing in terms of who's getting into the industry, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, a lot of Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies are now coming into shared spaces. Um, they're realizing that, hey, look, we don't want to be locked into a 10-year lease because we're not sure of the growth of our company and obviously how the economy is going to react and what that's going to mean to our company. So we're seeing them becoming involved. The second thing is, from a technology standpoint, a lot of AI and IoT and big data. Um, essentially what the CEO of, of Yardi has coined, building to property. So, um, oh, sorry, business to property um, in terms of, okay, my, my business now wants to understand all this data I'm collecting from Cube and how it can affect my decisions moving forward. Um, the ability to have IoT, so not only have my Cube control my door access, but maybe control my HVAC, control my lights, all those things, and, and recognize that when nobody's in the building, turn, up the, or turn down the AC, turn off the lights, lock the doors, and have that all done in an automated fashion. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it, uh, it, the future is, uh, it's exciting, really, when you yeah, think absolutely. about commercial real estate and office space and, and uh, ways to use it uh, more effectively for all of us. Well, Warren, thanks for joining us, sir. Appreciate, Appreciate uh, you thank coming you, into Studio One. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. All right, and thank you for joining us around the country. Uh, tell us what you think. We appreciate you sharing the show, and we appreciate hearing from you. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. And you know what? You can also use this, uh, this old thing with that used to be like a box with buttons, and, and it's a phone, and you can give us a call. We appreciate hearing from you. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com.
Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit RedIQ.com.